Hey guys, it's John with the CNT update for Tuesday, the 14th of September. It's voting day. Go out and vote. And today we have our friend Kristen Dare from the CNT Chamber. And our special guest, Liz from the library, the Santee County Library. Welcome, Liz. How's it going? Pretty well. Thank you for having me today. Awesome. So we mentioned uh, before we got on, um, we were talking about all the reason why uh, I rediscovered the library. My parents go walking every day in Mass Park, and there's a little storyboard kind of along the fence. Yes. So we have currently out in Mast Park, um, what we call a story trail. And the story trail is a children's story that progresses as you walk through the park along the trail. And the story trails were developed back in April as an alternative to our traditional Dia de los Niños, Dia de los Libros celebration, which is something that the library has celebrated every April for a very long time. But of course, we couldn't gather together this year. So we wanted to offer up an opportunity for children to still enjoy books and read so back in April, they were able to grab a go bag at the library that had a free book and an activity kit and some crayons and kitty stuff, and then go walk our story trail. And we did that all throughout the county at various parks and municipal, municipal parks. But we still have ours going here in Mast Park, um, even though it's no longer April, because it's just been really popular. And we get a lot of joy out of getting, seeing the kids running along behind the library, reading their story. Very cool. So even though the library is open and people can come in now, um, we still have it going for a little while longer. And where is it located in Mass Park? So in Mass Park, it's um, near the playground area. It starts right at the bridge by the playground, which okay. was intentional because we wanted to kind of suck the children into the story and then they could progress along as they gotcha. went. Gotcha. And it's and on the back fence? It is. And we were able to work with the city of Santee to have that installed. So although our librarians are maintaining it, they were really essential in us getting the permission and um, supporting us and having it there. Very cool. Very cool. And, and so... What does a, a modern library look like? I mean, I would imagine a lot of it's available digitally, but who goes to the library and why? And, and how does that affect the business community? So who goes to the library is people from all walks of life, because really the library has a little something for everyone, which is kind of fascinating, really, because we see on a daily basis, everyone from a mom pushing a stroller with, you know, three kids hanging on to it to um, senior citizens who are coming in. And we might actually be their only point of contact that day where they're coming in and talking to library staff, getting some books, or even just coming in to sit in the air conditioning because we are a cool zone. And with the weather lately, we have needed to be a cool zone. Um, so there's just a little bit of something for everybody there. Sometimes you have people who either don't or can't have internet access. They're living on a fixed income or it's just not something that is within their budget to have. The library has free computers. Those people are coming in and utilizing um, to check their email or go on social media or search for jobs or do their homework, um, whatever it is. We have books, of course, for entertainment and reading because reading is good for your brain as everybody knows. Um, but we also have um, just all sorts of different ways to engage in the physical library space. And while the learning aspect of it is what's the most important part, there's also a civic engagement aspect as well. Right now, we're currently accepting mail ballot drop-off. We're one of the Registrar of Voters' official locations where people can drop off their mail ballots. And the Registrar of Voters literally comes to the library, picks up the ballots themselves, and drive them right back down to head their headquarters down in Kearney Mesa and not just our branch, but all 33 of our library locations, our mail ballot drop-off um, sites. So 
from all walks of life, we see everybody who comes in, whatever their reason may be to engage with us. Um, the library is one of the last free public spaces that exists. And part of the mission that we as library staff are charged with is maintaining that space, making sure that whatever the public needs in their in a space that's supported by their tax dollars, we're able to provide them to the best of our ability. Gotcha. So you mentioned families mm-hmm. and you mentioned elderly. Mm-hmm. Now, Kristen has two kids that are in the middle school and high school age. Mm-hmm. What kind of things would you do at the library, Kristen? Um, it's been a little while since my kids have really engaged in things at the library. So I remember when our daughter was super young, there were some kind of uh, preschool reading programs that existed. So she would kind of just go essentially for story time where stories would be read to a group. Um, and then there was also a chess club that existed that my son enjoyed. Uh, yes, people and love chess. Does clubs. that still exist? Um, we're looking at restarting library programs for the first time since we had to stop them mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And so it may exist again. We're not quite right. there yet, but chess club is very popular. Yeah. So, so I would say as our kids have kind of aged up, you know, We've, um, you know, we have encyclopedias at home and internet and things like that. And so I think we would really depend on additional programming, you know, to, to get our kids like re-engaged into the library. So as you guys ramp up those programs, maybe we can kind of keep a closer eye on that. Um, but sometimes it's just nice too, even though our kids have their own bedrooms and, you know, a little desk in their room and, a study space that that they can have and kind of call their own. I think they could still get easily distracted in their own rooms too. And I'm sure devices and things like that, you know, kind of add to the, to the mix. But um, I think it would be nice even if we just kind of started carving out study time just to kind of go somewhere and, and have a dedicated workspace. That is a popular reason that we have teens at the library. Um, also because we are in close proximity to a middle school and a high school. And so regularly kids will walk over after school and spend a little time with each other, either working on their homework or just hanging out. Um, generally speaking, it's a pretty safe space. Now it does get a little bit loud sometimes, which is not what's traditional for a typical library belief. But when you think, okay, I've got, you know, seven people on the computers and 14 teenagers hanging out here in the teen space and 30 um, kids under the age of whatever looking for books over here, the volume can get a little bit high. Um, But yeah, especially with teenagers, again, one of our goals is to create that space where they have just a space to be. And so if you're a kid who's not doing a ton of sports or you are not engaged in after-school programs or the programs aren't currently running, and there's a space for you to kind of exist outside of your home, it's this library is a third space idea. And we, we have actually a youth services librarian who's phenomenal and very dedicated to making sure that that's a place that kids can be. Well, I would even say, John, you know the area where the library is located, right? The Carlton Oaks Plaza. Right, right so- next to Carlton Oaks and Carlton Hills intersection right by Mass Park. Right. So so in that intersection, there's actually a lot of youth services if you kind of yes. peel it back a little bit, right? There's um, a very major dance studio in there, Expressions Dance and Movement Center, that hosts over 500 families of dance students. And then you got there's Infinity. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. And Art with Larice. There's Desert Rose Music Studio. So really, I mean, there's a kind and of. And the Cupcake Shop, which is in front of many children. <laughs> yes. Amazing. <laughs> the Cupcake Store is so good. So there, there's a lot of activity, I think, in your plaza as it is. Mm-hmm. So 
in, in a great way that really probably provides for you guys to have um, a lot of walk-in traffic or, you know, for example, my daughter used to dance at the studio. That's when my son would go over and he'd walk over to the library and I would kind of sit and, and watch my daughter's dance session, but he would go and um, yeah, look for books or do chess or, oh, yeah. or whatever was going on. So it's nice that the siblings may even, maybe even, even if they're not participating in something that you can kind of get the overflow walk-in traffic of the families just frequently, frequent, frequenting, excuse me, the, the plaza in general. Yeah, we see a lot of that where it's um, the parent is saying, oh, five more minutes, grab your books, kids. We got to get over to our class, whichever one it may be mm-hmm. that they're headed to. Um, so I think that that, and I also think that it kind of works both ways where when people are coming to the library as a destination, then it does benefit also the businesses that surround the library. You Certainly. had asked earlier about what the library means to the business community. In addition to the gazillions of resources that we have available both digitally, and that's all stuff we can talk about later, um, that could benefit either business owners or people who are seeking to improve their professional status. You know, also there's the there's the civic capital that a library brings to an area, which is really important. So when a library is there and we know that we're getting 800 people a day through our doors, that's a lot of people. And those people are also going to the businesses that are nearby. And that's one of the reasons that you see, um, you see a lot of success in busyness, I guess, door traffic in libraries that are located in shopping centers is it becomes one of the areas that um, people are. So it's kind of an anchor for that center. Um, Well, it's definitely the biggest in that center, the biggest sort of location. Um, And I think that the the reason that people come to a center or an area just depends on what their goal is. So whether they're coming to the library and swinging by to take advantage of the businesses nearby or whether they're going to the businesses nearby and stopping to grab their books while they're there. I think that it's a mutually beneficial situation. Got it. I think so too. How does um, the parking, because there's no secret, the parking at the library is terrible, but it's not the library's fault. No. They just lease a space there. Yeah. So how many people do you think walk in from the, the apartments and the condos and the homes in the area? And how many people do you think drive in? I think it's Darcy's fault, just so you know. I'm going to blame... <laughs> yeah terrible parking on Darcy who owns the dance studio there, who I just said has over 500 students dancing. Um, I think it just depends on the time of day because sometimes it's harder Mm -hmm. than others. Um, It's definitely clogged up in the afternoon though, when there's all the different lessons that are going on at all the different places. We do get a lot of walk-in traffic um, and you can tell that it's walk-in traffic because they come in and they're sweaty and all that kind (laughs) of stuff, but also because you know, they have the evidence of, of physical exercise? Yeah, you know. Gotcha. Well, when it's 100 degrees out, maybe yeah. just like that from walking from the parking lot. But um, the moms are pushing the strollers or the dads or caregivers are pushing the strollers on in. And so you and they're talking about where they live within the nearby area. Um, and we do some demographic analysis of where people have library cards around Santee. So I know that library users do live in the area immediately surrounding. So you guys do some data mining and, and uh, snooping around to see where the people come from. That totally makes sense. Well, we are librarians, so data. <laughs> um, yeah, we do some data. Analysis. Just for those at home, she did not push up her glasses at the same time. She did <laughs> no, but I I'm going to start. Did. I feel like that's what needs to happen. Also, for those at home, I do wear glasses and have terrible eyesight. I did leave my cardigan at home. But um, you're wearing a support but, your local library <laughs> shirt, which is amazing. Yes. And believe it or not, this is just a shirt that I purchased, not one that actually came to me by way of the library. I just dressed like this in my own free will. Um, it's the stereotype becomes the person I'm telling you. Um, but yeah, I think that we do use data to try to make sure that we are offering the best possible services 
to people. And so that means that, you know, it can't just be that I as a librarian think, boy, I sure love to crochet. Wouldn't it be fun to have a crocheting club here at the library? It has to be, I am a librarian who lives in my community. What are their, what are their, what is their background? What are their interests? Who has a library card? Who doesn't? Why don't those people come to the library who don't have library cards? What's informing that behavior? Is it location? Is it commute? Is it parking? Um, how can I take the services that I have and make them more available outside of this space where I am physically attached to to make sure because the goal of the library is reading and books, but it's also learning our actually our mission statement. Um, we have um, create your own story, but it's learning, um, reading and then civic engagement and creativity are the four pillars of service that we offer through the county library. And so those are how can we facilitate those for people in the community who either don't have the means to participate in a different way in those things or who do have the means but choose not to spend them on that when they could use utilize our services. So what kind of services do you have available without having to step into the library? Do you have stuff online? We sure do. So our website is www.sdcl.org. That's San Diego County Library. And that is basically the portal to an entire world of services that people could use if they want to engage in learning activities. So one of my favorite things is we have um, what's called Libby, which is an app that you can download and you can use. Do you have a really cool character that looks like Libby, like a book? Actually, it does have kind of a fun little um, avatar on it, but you okay. know. Um, so it's L-I-B-B-Y. It's free to download. And then if you have a library card, you can use that service to download as many free eBooks and free audiobooks as you would like. It's just like checking out a regular book. You either wait for it when it becomes available because the library pays to license a certain number of copies. You either wait for it when it becomes available or if it's immediately available, you just click borrow and then it's delivered to your device and you can read it. I've, I've used that, but I, I don't use Libby. I use Overdrive. Um, Libby is the newer version of Overdrive. Got so it. Overdrive is still an app that can be utilized, but Libby is a more user-friendly interface that was developed okay. by the Overdrive company. It's um, made for the older folks like me that um, need to learn how to use their phone. It's very simple and very easy to use. Um, but I, I, actually, I think that's a yes. Well, yeah, that, yes, like that a was yes. a polite yes. <laughs> but Overdrive was cool. I would say during the pandemic times, you know, it, whether you guys had closures or limited hours or just maybe people weren't interested in sharing books for that moment. Yes. But um, I'm sure book sales went up phenomenally during the pandemic. Um, but Our digital circulation increased astronomically during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And it remains really high in Santee. Santee Library users checked out somewhere in the neighborhood of 9,500 digital books wow. last month. Oh, um, last month? Last month, yes. I just did my monthly report, so I have that figure in the top of my head. Nice. So the people who are registered to the Santee So you're looking branch. like over 300 books a day? Yeah. Online? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we're busy. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, well, that's the online version, right? But then, you know, you have, it's not just... Um, Do you have to stamp them online? No. <laughs> yes, I come to your house with my library stamp. Just kidding. I don't want to know where you live. Please don't tell me. She um, knows because know. it's on a library card. Yes. <laughs> I can't look up that information unless I'm actively engaged in the account. Librarians are fierce protectors of people's privacy. Rule followers. We are. Yeah. What can I say? That's how it goes. <laughs> um, and so you can download the app. You can, um, you can, you know listen to your books, you can read your books online, but say you live somewhere 
Um, you're living in a senior living facility. You're living in a residential facility. You're living just somewhere that's not convenient to get to the library. You can never find parking at the time that you can come to the library. Our current limited hours make it hard for you to come in. Whatever the reason is that you're not in the physical branch, you have an opportunity. Um, if you don't have a library card, we have a service that's called Instant Digital Card. And you can go on to um, Libby, download Libby, and request an instant digital card. And then you enter in your cell phone number, and we subscribe to a service that will verify that your billing zip code is within the county of San Diego. And then you can just get a free library card and use that. Cool. So you don't actually have to come in to be able to utilize our digital world. Now, can you take that uh, Libby account and then we'll walk into the library and check out a book? Yeah, we'll merge your cards together for you if that's something that somebody chooses to do. Um, we have to be a little bit more careful about the physical books because the taxpayers purchase those. And so that actually is like an asset of the county. Um, so we do ask for an address and an identification when somebody opens a physical library card because you want to make sure that you're protecting the, the taxpayers funding. It's just an ethical thing. But you mentioned before we started that the county has recently done away with uh, late fees, right? So yes. do you do you predict that that will be helpful or hurtful um, in terms of incentive for folks to return those taxpayer dollar purchased books? You know, it's an interesting concept, the idea of the late fee, because libraries since time immemorial seem to have charged them. And there's been a huge shift lately to understand that that is kind of something that is a barrier to access to people who might not be able to pay those. And that a window of time to return an item is kind of arbitrary, right? Because I'm saying you only need three weeks to read that book, but maybe you need three and a half. Why should that cost you more money than somebody who needs two and a half, right? Maybe you're busy or you read slower or whatever. Um, So the elimination of the overdue fines was really a, the goal was to make sure that people who were not able to use the library because something in their life prevented them from working within that time frame that was kind of predetermined, um, you know, they're just not going to come get a book if they know they can't finish it in time. So we moved to automatic renewals. So say I get a book and I have it and it's due in three weeks. If nobody's waiting for it, it will automatically renew that for me a certain number of times. If somebody's waiting, I've got to bring it back. And so that's when you have to bring it back. And then a certain point after the end of your due date, you're going to get billed for the book because we are protecting the collections that the taxpayer paid for. So after 28 days, if you're past your last due date, it can't be renewed. You're going to get a bill in the mail for the book. Then people bring it back. <laughs> you bring those right back when the bills come. I personally um, was a fan of your fine-free Fridays that you would do once a month because news I always forgot to read. I'd always forget to return mine on time. You know, I think the fine is a good thing for uh, <laughs> learning personal responsibility, Kristen. Um it's overdue fine free every day. Yeah. And so that makes it a lot easier for staff because we're not getting this massive volume of returns. Fine free Friday was a lot. Of, <laughs> it was a lot for us because as much as you loved it, so did every other person who couldn't get those books back on. Time. And you're not dealing with a bunch of change now. Oh, that's nice too. <laughs> um, but we really, we really are trying to make library um, uses easy and equitable as possible. Another digital service that I really want to mention is um, you can use the library to get a free accredited high school diploma. So if something interrupted a person's education, whatever it may have been, um, and they weren't able to get that high school diploma, we have a service online. It's called Library High School, and you can learn more about it at, again at our website, sdcl.org or libraryhighschool.org which is another one of the websites that we maintain. And essentially somebody can apply for this program and then it's an online high school, but it's fully accredited. And within 18 months they'll have it or less, depending on how much school they need to complete, they'll have a high school diploma. That's amazing. 
Hmm. It's pretty great. Who, who would who would have thunk? You know, I think that we had somewhere. That's been around for a while. It has been, but the pandemic vastly accelerated participation in that program. I think that we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 plus graduates across the county last year. Um, people who were able to get that diploma, which is just, uh, it's such a gateway. Yeah. How are people finding out about the program? Are you partnering with local high school districts at all to kind of give high alternatives? School, high school districts aren't really our goal. It's more adults who've had their education interrupted. That, that can't take four hours a day to go to community college right, to catch or up. To or to have special GED classes that are very structured. So a lot of what we're looking at is partnering with um organizations or entities that work with families or we'll tell our outreach partners that this exists um, or we'll talk about it on podcasts. <laughs> there you go. So if there's somebody out there that is um, that knows someone else that mm-hmm. is, is an adult working yeah. full time, yeah, they can go online mm-hmm. after hours or whenever, whenever and do their homework, take the class and then hopefully graduate from high school. And then hopefully from there, get a promotion or do the other That's things that hope. they're yeah. holding them back. Yeah. And you That's kind of cool. An accredited diploma is a little bit different than a GED. And then it has just a little bit more um, clout when you're trying to do things like perhaps you want to go to college later in life or apply other. Um, it just, it's, it's got a little bit more heft to it in some ways. And so this you guys is have a, a mascot for people to be able to, we do not, but if we did, it would probably be book related because be that's warm. how we roll. <laughs> Nice. Uh, be a little worm. There's an idea there. I think I we should we should push that and I'll then pass it along. make sure that we can get um, letter person sweaters and the whole deal. Well, mm-hmm. our phenomenal adult services manager really facilitates that program for the county library system. So I'll be sure to let her know. Okay. We vote for the worm. We're digging it. Awesome. So um, what other kind of things do you have uh, coming up for the library? So we are actually just starting to dip our toes back into the world of library programming again, of course, during the pandemic, the worst of the pandemic um, that had to not happen for the health and safety. So you guys have been open for a couple months. So we've been open actually for a long time. We reopened last June with um, a door side service was basically what we called it. Then we moved to in-person service with limited hours. Um, And then now we still have in-person service with slightly less limited hours, but they are not back to what they were pre-pandemic. Although we're anticipating that our library administration may um, may add additional hours soon, but I can't comment okay. really. And then you, you have some programs that you're going yeah, to be hosting so, in the library again? Again, yes. And so I don't actually have dates and times and things like that for them. We're still in the very early phases of planning, but we're hoping um, our programming is cleared to resume for ages 12 and up. So we're hoping by October, we'll have some teen programs on the calendar and we'll have some adult programs on the calendar. Very cool. And before um, you had some space that you could uh, rent out to small groups or community groups or anything like that. Is that something that still exists? So we have very small conference rooms um, and those aren't currently available to be booked because um, when social distancing came into place, we jammed them full of furniture and we're still sorting out how that's all going to come back out of there. It's uh, quite a small building for the amount of people that we have through the door and the amount of programming and circulation that we support. So we're trying to be careful and judicious in our use of putting more, um, more furniture back out on the floor. I would anticipate within the next couple months, at least one of those rooms would be available for people to utilize again. And many of our library locations that aren't Santee Library do have large community rooms. So that can be booked by um, nonprofit organizations or government organizations or community groups to be able to be utilized. Gotcha. 
Okay. So you're coming up with your programming coming soon. Hopefully. Stay yeah. tuned. October. You have and online. On, and do look. you look on the website to find that program information yes, eventually? That, in, that information will have, of course, paper flyers at the library, but it'll also be available on sdcl.org. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Do you guys have your own social media that's specific to your branch or is it just county related? We do have our own social media, um, but really most of the content there is going to be what's already been produced by the county. And Mm -hmm. so people who want to... I would imagine you have a lot of hoops to jump through to get a post up. And by that time, it's no longer relevant. We like to keep really current on whatever it is mm-hmm. that we're posting. And so, but we are a county department. So um, most of what we do post is either from our main library or from the county itself or um, reposted from other government organizations. So to keep current, I would recommend people follow the SDCL's um, social media, mm-hmm. San Diego County Libraries, as opposed to the specific branch social media. Awesome. Gotcha. That's cool. She's you know, the most polite guest that we've ever had. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, I was going to ask you, not every um, library that I have noticed has kind of a partnership, but but the Santee branch does with a used bookstore. Um, is that unique to Santee or, or is that more common than I think? Well, Santee is incredibly fortunate. Um, it is more common than you think. Most of those used bookstores are actually run by nonprofit organizations called the Friends of the Library. Um, we're incredibly fortunate that our Friends of the Library here in Santee have a separate bookstore, like completely separate, which is unique in the county. Um, most people don't have their own storefront. And that's just three or four stores down from our library. So anybody who wants to stop by the Friendly Used Bookstore. Um, and those are completely run by volunteers. And the community donates used books. And they sell them. The volunteers sell them at their storefront. And then the money comes back to fund library programs and to supplement the funding of library programs and collections. So recently, our friends of the library have given us money to restart those programs we were talking about. Very cool. Um, purchased a bunch of new books for the Santee branch at the library and also um, helped us purchase a bunch of uh, children's books to be placed in the library at Las Colinas so that the women who are incarcerated can use them on video visits with their children when they're wow. there. So our friends of the library are wonderful, wonderful people in general, and they have been very supportive of our mission. Um, most County library branches do have a friends of the library, but it just, not all of them, but most, but it varies. Some of them will have like their own storefront and some of them will have a store that's within the library itself. So in El Cajon, when you walk into the library lobby, there's a little bookstore off to the side. Mm. Some of them will have a shelf in a tiny little branch that it's like, put your 50 cents in the box and you can take a book. So so maybe I just don't notice them in other libraries where ours is just very. Ours is very prominent because Mm -hmm. it has its own storefront and it's right there. Very cool. So, the Lakeside Library is yes. getting rebuilt, right? Yes. Isn't that so exciting? And is that going to uh, interfere with your uh, foot traffic? Oh. Because if it was a new business, everybody would go to that new restaurant in Lakeside, but now it's a library. Oh, I don't think so. I think that libraries only uplift a community. We don't really compete with each other. So if somebody has the opportunity to go to the Lakeside Library and see their beautiful new building and use their space, by all means, right? Like, that's amazing. I'm way too competitive to be that complacent. <laughs> on new- we well, got to sabotage John their will branding. not be visiting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he will only rent books from you. <laughs> only the Santee Library. No, it's, first of all, you know, that's the point of libraries is we're just open for everyone. So having the better the libraries are in a community, the more a community can thrive. And that's why we do our work. So 
there's no reason not to love when I, I love it when a new library gets built. I get really <laughs> excited when I go on vacation. I visit libraries other places. <laughs> oh yeah, really? Yes. Oh, okay, yes. I believe her. <laughs> I, have, I have seen some of the world's most beautiful libraries. Awesome. Well, Liz, uh, hopefully we can um, get some people reintroduced to the Santee Library and get some folks in there. Um, are you willing to sign autographs? Oh, anytime. Okay, good <laughs> anytime. deal. Yep. Awesome. Uh, any of my staff members, you know. Good deal. Well, we're all at the red carpet for you, but honestly, the library is for everyone. Everyone is welcome. Swing on by. I'm sure that we have something that will be of interest. Awesome. And if you go to the library in the next month, tell them you heard it on the Santee Update. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Liz. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.